You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for solar owners and industry, with Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading solar industry veteran Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Clenergy, providers of innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world. SunWiz, Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. And Solar Analytics, developing smart solar software you can trust for homes, businesses and solar retailers right here in Australia. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Solar Insiders podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy, as well as One Step Off the Grid, as well as the EV-focused TheDriven.io. And joining me as usual is Nigel Morris from Solar Analytics. Nigel, um, excluding your back, how are you? <laughs> excluding the fact that I've done my back in, I'm really good. Feels feels like we're back in the old seats again, now, I must say. You know, being uh, being so intimate with you at the last recording uh, with a couple of guests as well was uh, was weird. It was weird, but uh, it feels... that's a really un- that's a really unfortunate expression, actually. <laughs> just wondering whether we should actually sort of start this recording again. But, uh, we'll go no, with no. it, just for the heck of it. Let's you know? go with it. No, it just uh, but it's good to be here again. <laughs> no, I'll just take a pause as we just sort of collect our senses. Um, yes, well, look. Um, Look, the big news today is a um, is a blackout in Queensland. Widespread outages there. Sort of, a bit, it sounds like a fire in a coal plant. There's reports of an explosion. But, um, we're not really yes. too sure what happened at the Calloide coal plant. But look, this is early days yet to find out exactly what happened, what the implications are. Uh, obviously, hundreds of thousands of people people without power. But geez, it only took the coalition a few minutes to start blaming wind and solar. I mean, I just, I just, um, for the life of me for the life of me um just um yeah matt canavan um he of the blackface um on his face to look make himself look like a coal miner was out there tweeting saying well this is a reason why we need yet another coal-fired power station and um saying where was wind and solar when you need it well matt when the transmission lines go down because they've tripped because of an explosion in a coal plant it doesn't matter what sort of generation what sort of electrons you got it ain't going to be delivered to the customer it's quite um obvious isn't it it's so it's it's quite profound in fact how um how anti-renewable some of the coalition guys are um are behaving in recent times and i've read a whole bunch of stuff that you've written and i did notice that this is you know one of the newest coal fire plants in the country um not built very long ago in in um in uh, coal-fired plant plant terms um which which also struck me that you know a um you know a, a new coal-fired plant should theoretically be much more reliable and safe and all those kinds of things and um than uh than some of the old plants that are out there that are presumably more prone to this type of thing um and b uh, should have more sophisticated control systems that would uh, one is one of the most modern plants in australia should have should have the latest most sophisticated systems to allow it to handle the variables that we naturally get in the grid so yeah well, well, one of the nasty variables that it gets, and this has happened before with this particular coal-fired generator, is that it's got actually got lousy quality coal. So in the past, it's actually had to announce that it's actually sort of ramping down its output because the coal that has been delivered to its doorstep is complete shite and it can't put it in the borders, in the spoilers. So um, we don't yet know what's happened here. Um, we, uh, we hear that there are no interests. There must we, be some really bad coal. Because you've only got to burn it, right? How, does, how do you get coal so bad you can't burn it? 
Um, well, that's right. Continue to think about the brow coal generators are basically wow. shoving mud, mud into their borders. Yeah. But, um, yeah. you know, look. Um, that's, some, that's a picky burner. That's a very picky burner. God, yeah. Anyway, look, one of the interesting things I'm looking forward to exploring is whether um, Queensland doesn't actually have any big batteries in its grid at the moment. In fact, it's got nothing but really slow reacting coal generators and a few not very fast gas generators. Oh, we should is, build some more. Well, <laughs> of course. But it'll be, it's something I'm going to actually explore um, just to find out with a bit of battery storage. Might have actually been able to react quick enough to hold the frequency within certain bounds to allow other things to fire up and actually keep the transmission lines stopping them from tripping, which then sort of had this cascading impact of not just sort of, you know, causing other generators to lose um, customers, but the customers to lose their generation. So um, anyway. Indeed. Indeed, yeah. And, and, and as is often the case, actually, when these major events happen, um, solar analytics are quite often called on by AEMO uh, to help analyse the response and behaviour of solar systems in such circumstances. So I'm sure we will be talking to AEMO as well um, and potentially able to do some analysis across um, across the solar network. Yeah, well, now that you mentioned AEMO, actually, there's a presentation from Alex Wanhouse at the um, Australian Energy Week and uh, talking about the needs and uh, how we've got to update our grid to get to 100% renewables. And we've got to make this happen now, not in a couple of decades' time, because we're kind of reaching that point where we're getting to the point where we're going to have 100% instantaneous renewable energy. And he actually pointed to sort of um, things happening in South Australia. There was one incident apparently in January where a cloud, they weren't expecting a cloud, and across it came. And just sort of took 500 megawatts of demand out of the system very, very quickly, which um, caused a challenge. Didn't actually sort of cause any outages or anything like that, but made them have to think. And presumably the battery sort of snapped to attention and responded in the instantaneous way that they can. But um, that's just part of the challenges which um, we're dealing with. Yeah, and it's all manageable. Oh, well, it is. You just got to have a system. You got to have a plan. Got to have a plan. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Look. Um. Before we go into what other stuff, I do want to um note the passing of Govind Kant. Um, um, Nigel, we spoke about his situation without naming him a couple of episodes ago, and um, the worst happened. Um, uh, I think everyone in the solar industry is aware, but um. I didn't know him well. I really only met him briefly for a couple of times, but I think you knew him well. I just think if you can just sort of share to the listeners um, your memories of um, of Govind. Sure. And, and, and look, it was a, a terrible week for everyone in the solar industry. It's always terrible when you lose someone. I, I, I knew Govind for the better part of 15, 16 years. Um, you know, we'd bump into each other regularly around the traps and um, I didn't know, and I, I did make a comment. I had to give a little um, memorial. I was at a memorial for our other solar industry friend, Richard Collins, on Friday night, um, which was a very um, a great way to remember Richard's memory. And, and with Gavin so fresh in our mind, I made a little made a little statement there. And I guess I highlighted that although I didn't know him anywhere near as well as some other people who were close to his family and stuff, there are some people you meet in this world who who you just feel like they're a friend. You you have enormous um, respect for them as as good people uh, and when um, the most touching touching video tribute came out from the guys at um, at solar juice who knew him so well I must say like like thousands of other people I was reduced to tears last week and there are a lot of candles that were lit and a, a, there was a lot of hugs and back slapping going on from a bunch of old people at uh, at Richard's memorial and 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 a lot of um, a lot of Kind words said for for Gavind and, and both Richard and uh, big um, big condolences to their to their family for this terrible tragedy. But um, 
it's um, what was really, really nice was to see how quickly the industry responded. There's been a fundraising appeal which has raised in record time a, a, a very significant amount of money for his family, which is just wonderful to see. So, um, yeah, thoughts and prayers are out there. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, yeah, look, um, I share um, my condolences to the families of both um, Govind and Richard. And it's very sad to see um, two sort of, you know, stars and stalwarts of the industry um, passing on. Um, one of those people that um, had a, a, some really nice things to say about Govind was um, Andy McCarthy from the Gippsland Solar, now RACV, and uh, he was on the 7.30 report um, in a, um, a tribute to Govind. It was nice to hear him talk about, um, you know, if you, if you heard Govind's laugh, laughter, um, or you heard this sort of, you know, this uproarious laughter at the other end of the conference hall, you knew that um, Govind had entered the, <laughs> into, into the, into the arena. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. And look, for me, that's a bit of a prompt. Um, there's actually a interview that I actually did at the last Smart Energy Conference, and I'm very sorry, Andy, that I didn't actually post it in previous episodes of the Sport Podcast. But look, it's a um, it's um, it's a good interview. It's about um, them moving an RECV moving into battery storage and installing the largest behind the meter battery system in the country. Listen, let's listen to Andy McCarthy. Andy McCarthy, CEO of RACV Solar now. Um, great to see you at this conference. Hello, Giles. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's great to be amongst people again. It is great, although you've pulled me into the back of the conference, into a little area surrounded by pallets and boxes. <laughs> Look, it's the place where we've got the, 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 the quietest um, area. But anyway, there we go. So last time we saw you, you had your own Gippsland Solar, I think it was. Now it's moved into RACV, so... Congratulations. Thank you. Um, what's it like to look at the view from the top of the hill? Ah, it's amazing. I, I don't even have to pretend to be happy at the moment, Giles. I'm so happy uh, under RECV ownership. Yeah, um, you know, when you're self-employed for 10 years and you run the business off the smell of an oily rag, um, to then, you know, sell the business and come into an organisation like RECV with a strong appetite for uh, energy, um, the balance sheet to make it happen, the membership database... Um, there's just so many things that RECV bring to the table in residential and commercial solar. Um, I'm the happiest man in the solar yeah. industry at the moment. So tell me what's happening in the solar industry then. I mean, obviously we're seeing a big boom in residential solar. We're seeing a big boom in commercial solar businesses. I mean, what are you? What, what are your particular observations of the market? Uh, yeah, well, we're one of the few companies, I suppose, that still do you know 10 panels for Joe and Mary in, in Gippsland, and we also do you know 5,000 panels on a shopping centre uh, for a private equity firms. So you know we're across the whole sector now, um, and obviously the challenges and opportunities are different across the different scales um, and you know our residential department is absolutely flying it's paying its way and, and um, it employs maybe 50 or 60 people uh, but our commercial division is where it is where it's at at the moment the growth you've just announced a, um, an investment I think it's your first move into um, battery storage of significant scale and it turns out to be the sort of the largest distributed um, how do you describe it it's a deal tell us about the deal it's a deal with CEP Energy yep. who've just got this massive pipeline of battery storage projects and I'm always a little bit suspicious when people are coming out with big pipelines and, and haven't actually done anything yet but now they've actually contracted you to, to do the first thing yeah we're thrilled to be the first partner for CEP as well um, it's a very ambitious program they're rolling out um, so this particular project is on Norellan Town Centre in Western Sydney, uh, the largest privately owned shopping centre in Australia. Uh, it's also the largest solar and battery uh, on a shopping centre in Australia uh, and the largest behind the metre battery in the country as well uh, on one side. So, so how big is it? Uh, it's a 10 megawatt hour battery, Wow. 4 megawatt dispatch, 10 megawatt hours. 
uh, with 2.6 meg of solar, uh, but that's only the first phase. So it will eventually be a 10 megawatt solar array and a 20 megawatt hour battery. And what's it going to do then? Just store the solar for late at night or in the evening, or is it going to play the FCAS market, or what's it? What's uh, its role? A little bit of everything. So yeah. the battery will obviously smooth out the peak demand. Yeah. Um, it will be also used for grid services and FCAS revenue. Um, we're not doing the modelling. That was done by CEP but they're very confident that this model is going to provide a great return for investors. Mm -hmm. And it is a real sign of where the solar industry is going that you know these projects are not environmentally driven, to be perfectly frank. These are people investing, looking for good places to use capital. Uh, to see those types of investors coming into renewables is very exciting. Well, this thing is going to be about one or two gigawatts of this going to be rolled out across Australia, so that could potentially keep someone busy, and uh, well, presumably yeah, you. Hopefully and, uh, RECB Solar. <laughs> I was pretty excited when we started talking about megawatts, so now when I see gigawatts, I think, oh, wow, where are we going? Where are we going? Yeah. Hey, look, you, the original name of the company was Gippsland Solar. That's still where you're based, I understand. Um, that's where the Latrobe Valley coal mines are. What's the atmosphere there? I mean, you're in. You're part of the new technologies. Just give us a taste about the way people are thinking. And I think it, it's obviously very diverse. There's, there's people who are still affected and can't see what the future is, and other people who've kind of embraced it or already have the opportunity to see the future. How are we going to manage that transition? Oh, look, it's, you know, 2010 to 2015 in the Latrobe Valley, frankly, it was like bashing my head against the wall. Um, get so frustrated by leaders, so-called leaders in the region that just could not see the way forward, weren't encouraging um, the energy transition, probably deliberately holding projects back, if I'm being frank, about some of the projects we had um, you know, trying to propose. Uh, what we've seen in the last five years, especially once we went past grid parity and the cost of renewables became cheaper than grid electricity, uh, it's not about ideology anymore, it's about pure economics. Um, so the Latrobe Valley is very much supportive of the renewable energy transition and we're already seeing the opportunities flowing into the valley. We, we would be the largest employer in the renewable energy space uh, in the Latrobe Valley, but there are another dozen um, Gippsland Solars now that are doing the same sort of work and creating a great workforce in the local economy. That's great news. And so we're seeing it at the local level. We're obviously seeing it at the state level. We just can't quite make it happen at the federal level yet. Uh, we don't want to talk about federal politics. We're trying to keep it positive here, Giles. <laughs> <laughs> but look, well, thanks very much for joining us, Andy. And look, good luck with um, the future. It's been a pleasure. And that was Andy McCarthy from RACV Solars, formerly Gippsland Solar. Um, and as um, Andy mentioned, sort of talking about the transition in Morwell and the Latrobe Valley, I mean, his business has been at the heart of that transition. And that's the sort of conversations that we need to have all across the country um, about the transitioning away from coal and the opportunities that present themselves in new technology. Here, here. Here, here. Here, here. Um, mate, um, from here, I think we should probably reach to the stars. Um, tell us what's happening on Mars, um, Nigel. Well, well, I'm sure everyone's keeping track of, you know, uh, the latest uh, race to the stars. It's a little bit off topic here, but it did occur to me that, you know, Mars is, is 100%, got 100% solar already uh, because everything that's out there uh, up there at the moment is, in fact, of course, solar powered. Uh, and it just kind of struck me that, you know, here we are, reaching out uh, into the into the universe and, and exploring. Uh, and, and how do we start that? Well, we started with 100% renewables, and it just struck me that that was a kind of a lovely thing. I didn't realise that there were, in fact, three rovers up on Mars. I was doing some research because China landed one recently and, and got me digging around. So there, there are actually three little rovers tootling around up there and, you know, uh, doing helicopter things and drilling holes and zapping stuff with lasers and trying to get stuff uh done um and I, it reminded me 
it remind it, it it really got me going actually because I remembered almost twenty years ago uh, we were at a solar conference up in Cairns and. Uh, uh, I invited a, a guest up in the form of Dr. Carl Kruzianischke, uh, um, who I'm sure everybody knows, and uh, he completely hijacked the solar dinner speech um, because uh, he was just gushing with excitement about the first of these solar-powered rovers and how it had landed on Mars. Uh, and, um, you know, what was supposed to be a couple of minutes of conversation about that exciting event which had just happened turned into a full 45-minute Dr. Carl rave. Um, and, um, yeah, it just struck me that here we are 20 years later. There's still uh, three rovers up there. There's a couple that have been there for many, many years, still working fine and, yeah, 100% renewables for Mars. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Look, I think there's another prompt to get a message from one of our sponsors. The energy world is rapidly changing. Solar Analytics will give you the data to navigate this new energy landscape. Solar Analytics helps solar businesses save time and deliver better service to their customers by assuring their savings. Their hardware is incredibly flexible and fast to install on residential and commercial applications. And their software provides a rich user interface and satellite data with smart algorithms for simple, automated performance monitoring. Visit solaranalytics.com.au, connect with your solar, and make the most of your home energy. And, of course, we'd like to thank all of our sponsors, Solar Analytics, Sunwids and Clenergy, for their ongoing support for this episode. Um, Nigel, um, just some of the sort of the broader things I thought might just be worth just mentioning in passing. The International Energy Agency sort of um, came out with its report a couple of weeks, or sort of last week actually, sort of talking about net zero emissions. Some fascinating things there. One, basically, more the major economies like ours have to kick out coal by 2030, basically turn to uh, a mostly solar power grid and, 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 and wind, of course, and um, go fully electric by 2035. Um um, pretty interesting for from the IEA. Remember, that was actually an organisation set up by the fossil fuel industry to protect their interests uh, 50 years ago when the uh, the large uh, when the uh, sort of the oil price um, um, thing went crazy in the early 1970s. Um, yep. Do you reckon we got it in it to get there, uh, Nigel? Well, if they keep blowing themselves up at this rate, Giles. Um... <laughs> Maybe we have. <laughs> I'm not too sure if that's quite. I'm not too sure that if that was sort of featuring high in uh, AEMO's integrated system plan. Actually, no, so. no, I'm sure it wasn't. But I mean, look, the simple fact of the matter is that we know that the technology is out there, both in small scale and large scale. We've got people lining up to fund uh, uh, large scale renewables as quick as they can, and and you know, very difficult to fund traditional coal fired plants. And uh, consumers are uh, are responding in droves, and we've got the smart stuff uh, uh, that allows even distributed generation now to be incredibly responsive. We're leading the world in that stuff. So I think if anyone can do it, Giles, we can. Uh, so I, I, I think, I mean, 2035 um, seems like a long way away, but then when you think about, you count backwards, you go, actually, yeah, there's a lot to be done in a fairly short amount of time. But, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, we'll talk about um, uh, the interview with Martin Green, but, you know, with some of the projections for where we're going to be at in, 10 years' time with solar, oh, I'll put a carton of beer on it right now. We'll get there. Carton of beer. Whoa, there you go. 
Um, it's going to have to be non-alcoholic beer, I'm afraid, Nigel. That's what I'm into at the moment. I've sort of made the switch. Um, I've actually found a couple of acceptable brands, just just to sort of, you know, just to let you know, just in case you lose the bit. But um, there you go. Um, <laughs> just just in my head trying to work out how old we're both going to be in 2035. It's a bit frightening. <laughs> well, it definitely will be no, no zero alcohol beer, or maybe by then it might be might need to be very strong alcohol beer, but I don't know. Hey, look, that, that interview with Martin Green and your great solar podcast last week was absolutely fantastic. Um, we actually did a story um, on that, just sort of focusing on his prediction that sort of solar will become ch- so cheap and the efficiencies will grow so much that people will be putting tens of kilowatts on their rooftop solar because you'll be able to. And um, and why the hell not? And that was probably the most read story that we've seen on One Step Off the Grid and the Renew Economy for, for a while. So um, terrific episode. Um, the guy's still got a fair bit of vim in him, hasn't he? Oh, he's got a ton of vim. And, and you know, bless him, he's been around forever. I, I, I remember speaking at conferences alongside him, you know, 20-plus years ago in the early days of what they were doing at UNSW. And, of course, in BP Solar, we had a very close relationship with, uh, particularly with UNSW and Martin Green's team. So it was wonderful to sort of circle back around around and say, geez, did you ever think we'd get here, you know? And and then when he started talking about his predict- predictions for where we would be in um, in just a few years' time, um, it really got me thinking. And, and I, I really worked hard to try and extract from him, you know, what is this, how likely is this to happen and, and what the solar businesses need to do to prepare for it? Because certainly one of the challenges that that I've witnessed over the years is as the cost of solar falls, you know, instead of selling a solar system for $10,000, you're selling it for $8,000. And the next year you're selling it for $6,000 and you're doing the same amount of work uh, to get that sale. And so that's a real challenge for solar businesses in a declining price market. You, obviously it gets cheaper. So it kind of theoretically gets easier to sell, but you've got to sell more to make them the same money. So that's the kind of train that I was trying to head down. But um, as usual, Martin was wonderful and full of, full of interesting facts and, and, and stories about what was going on. So, yeah, mm. and, jump on and, in if you can. Yeah, absolutely. Have a listen to that um, and marvellous predictions at all uh, as well. Um, and um, also just like to thank um, Solid Juice for sponsoring that new series of yours. Mate, um, you've got episode three in the can. Give us a hint of what we can expect. Oh, I do, and I'm not going to give it – I'm going to keep the uh, – I keep, keep my guest's name up my sleeve. You have to listen to the episode for this. But we titled this one How to Flip Your Solar Business. And what I did was I dug out a, another old guy in the industry who I've known for a long time who's actually been very successful at building solar businesses and then selling them. Then he built another one and he sold that and he built another one and he sold that. And so we had a great little chat about uh, how to do that successfully because there's been some great stories, some recently with EFO and AGL and Solgen and AGL. Uh, and, there's a, there's, and, and, you know, you mentioned Andy McCarthy selling his business to, uh, uh, to RACV. So there is um, uh, plenty of lessons to learn for solar companies to uh, flip their solar business. So check out episode number three. That'll be coming out next week. Fantastic. And if you're in the market for episodes of um, Energy Type Business, don't forget also the weekly Energy Insiders podcast. Um, Last week, we had um, um, Andrew Dixon from CWP actually talking about this huge ammonia project. Um, It's now 26 gigawatts of wind and solar um, in the Pilbara and um, just how they're sort of looking at that project now. They've got um, some big players on board. And interestingly, they're talking about creating green ammonia, which could be used to displace some coal in coal generators in Japan. Um, a bit ironic that you use wind and solar to sort of displace coal and coal generators, but um, they do argue that it's the easiest um, way of sort of reducing emissions in the short term. But um, anyway, we'll see what happens there. Um, Nigel, did you get excited about the Ford Electric Ute? 
Oh, I got oh, boy! Did I get excited? <laughs> I think that's a yes. Boy, I, 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 <laughs> well, one of um, you know, I just love it when when stuff just happens, you know, and and you're not expecting it necessarily, and 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 you know, then someone just comes out, and yeah, I think the way I coined it on I did a little post that said, "Oh, wait." There's that 318 kilowatt, 1,050 newton meter vehicle to grid capable 4x4, 9.6 kilowatt site power capable 4.2 seconds to 100 kilometer, 370 kilometer of range Ford F100 ute starting from $40,000, which hauls ass and toes like a beast that I was looking for. And, you know, that kind of summed it up to me. Uh, I sort not, of... Not, Nigel, how did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a, I, we we had we hadn't even rehearsed this bit. <laughs> there was a there was a mashup of all the various different facts and figures, and and the best quote, which was from Prime Minister Biden, which is that it hauls ass and toes like a beast. Yes. Um, I um, I just think it's an enormously practical um, looking vehicle. But what's more exciting, actually, is that um, you know it's one of the main. Uh, mainstays of um, of automotive manufacturing, you know, delivering something really exciting and really functional and really practical looking. I've taken a bunch of um, deposits. I see uh, there was a, a lot of a um, lot of people in the solar industry speculating and desperately wishing that we could get them in Australia. We apparently can't yet. Um, mm. My brother-in-law works for a Ford dealership, though, and I keep I'm going to ring him. I'm going to ring him and ask him what's going on. Let's <laughs> find out how we get one. How you get one? Well, first of all, you're going to have to put the uh, steering wheel from the left-hand side to the right-hand side. Um, that's for a start. Yeah. Um, yes. Well, look, I mean, wouldn't it be wonderful if these things actually arrived in Australia? It's the same thing with the Tesla Cybertruck. Um, we don't know whether it's going to come into Australia, mainly because that might actually be too big and probably doesn't fit in with some of the, sort of the redundant Australian design requirements that still exist. Um, not too sure about the Rivian, but geez, just imagine electric utes. I mean, there would not be a solar installer out there, I would hope, and if there is, I want them named and shamed, um, that wouldn't get an electric vehicle or electric ute to do their oh, business in. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, I mean, I, I know there's a lot of them out there who've already kitted out their utes as, um, you know, uh, with electric power. Uh, that's been being done for years, years. But, of course, that's a, a fiddly time-consuming thing. To be able to buy one off the shelf, write it off on tax, get depreciation, uh, and and have a brand new truck um, like this, uh, which you can use as a utility vehicle to power a site while you're doing construction. Man, what a dream. Absolutely. Can we just come to some sort of agreement that if these things are actually taken to remote camping sites and they've got all these plugs in and things like that, you can run all your appliances and everything with power tools and you know, get your house going and stuff like that. Absolutely fantastic. Can you please not bring your TVs to the camping site? I'm actually quite worried about that. I've actually just got this <laughs> horrible idea that, oh, no, now that we've got power, these things, you know, it's going to be dreadful. But um, anyway, no, it's it's it's. Um, it's it's pretty amazing, and and of course, if you get if you get them on lease too, which a lot of tradies do get their utes on lease, three or four years and stuff like that, then it's actually going to be a bit of a no brainer because even the upfront price of them is not going to be that much more expensive, if at all, from what they're buying now, and um, the lower running cost just means that um, it's just too easy. Oh, absolutely, and and look, uh, you know, one of my uh, one of my relatives is a tradie. He's a carpenter. He recently bought a new Ute, and um, I tell you what, it was more expensive than this Ford, and it was not an outrageous Ute. It was just one of those big, flash, nice new Utes, and they are pricey. So you know, there's there's going to be a real place for these if they can get them in the market around this price. I, I have no doubt about that at all. And people already spend that amount of money on 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 um, on big flash Utes. 
Mm. Well, that's right. Yeah. Well, hopefully um, we can actually get some of these vehicles coming into Australia because we desperately need them. But um, I think we're going to need a bit, a few more positive signs from the government. Nigel, anything else to wrap up before we... Um... Yeah, look, a couple of a couple of quick crap solar ones. Um, oh. uh, yeah, just a couple of little ones which I picked up over the last few weeks. Number one, I just have to remind, um, want to remind listeners, especially if there's any end users out there, if there's any installers out there talking to solar buyers about some of the risks associated with solar, yet another roof painter who's just painted over the entire solar array. And I just, it bewilders me that this happens. But uh, a couple of great photos recently of an old tile roof that had uh, been restored and, you know, the painters got up there with their paint guns and off they went and just painted straight over the solar panels. So don't get yeah. you... If you've got a solar, if you've got solar system on your roof, really think carefully and give some very specific instructions to your roof restoring crew. Um, please don't paint the solar panels. It doesn't help their output. I, th- I, I quite like I quite your line you've got here in our little sort of running sheet here. If you have solar... Do not get your roof painted by idiots. <laughs> well, I think that's sort of you know that's, that's pretty clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was just for you and I, but now it's out there. Okay. That's good. Um, the, the other one that I really like. This is actually a story from Finn Peacock. He gave a great presentation um, uh, at one of the events that I was at during Smart Energy Week the other week, and it was uh, it was actually titled "How to Make Real Crap Solar." Um, and um, of course, everybody, every house has a stink pipe. Right, it's that little white pipe that it's pretty innocuous. Most people probably don't even know what it does, but it actually um, keeps your plumbing system um, in balance, if you like. It's an it <laughs> prevents air blocks and air locks from occurring in your plumbing system, so that you know your S bends work properly and so that the pressure is balanced in your system. And um, Finn told a story. Um, about a customer who actually contacted him and said, oh, I've got the best crap solar story ever. Some guys came along, uh, did the solar install, and my stink pipe was in the way, so they cut it off and just capped it. And the net result of that was that my toilet overflowed um, uh, literally uh, into the house and filled their house with poo. And um, it was, you know, literally crap solar, literally right throughout the house. And it was just a reminder that uh, if you um, if you get solar installed and you have a stink pipe that's uh, that's popping up, don't let your installer cut it and cap it. That will not be good. Oh, no, it's no well, fun for anyone. Do, 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 do you know what the end result was? What was of that? I mean, do they get? Um, do, do they get? Do they have a, a right to claim some damages from these? Oh, I, I think they needed a new rug. Uh, <laughs> and a <laughs> There was there was a lot of cleaning up to do, and it was a black and white case. Actually, it's, I'm not sure of Finn's involvement, but it was a great story about how you know if you get people who really don't know what they're doing, uh, this is the kind of uh, consequences that can happen, and no one wants um, uh, no one wants a floater in the kitchen. No one wants a floater in the kitchen. That would be a wonderful way to end our crap solar segment on this podcast. Um, I've just got one more thing to add. Um, another announcement came through from the Victorian government stopping um, door-to-door sales of um, rooftop solar. Look, oh, I, actually yes. thought that, I actually thought that had already happened, but apparently um, if it has already been announced once, it's now been announced again. So it's definitely um, not going to be allowed from now on, and that's probably a good thing. 
It is. And, and yeah, there were restrictions that came into place during COVID and um, they hit door knockers pretty early with them. And there have been a, there has been a progressive tightening of rules and regulations around it. Certainly most of the solar industry bodies, including the Clean Energy Council and the approved, um, approved solar retailer program uh, has, has been uh, very anti door knocking practices for a long, long time. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was actually on a call with, um, with some solar guys today who were saying it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out for the industry because of course those companies who had been door knocking are going to now need to find other ways to um to generate leads and to find customers and so um yeah the big question is how is that going to impact on things like the cost of google ads and everything else if uh, if suddenly there's a number of companies who are who are changing tactics so it'll be interesting to see how that play, plays out over the rest of the year and what impact that has on lead generation costs for everybody well, they can always bid high for advertising space on Renew Economy and one step off the grid, or, and, and and even the Driven, I wouldn't mind that if that's the what result of it. So, um, what, what a great, great idea. idea. What a great idea. Or even the podcast. Or even the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. I mean, are we getting enough money from the current sponsors? I don't know. You know maybe he's got a better offer. Um, <laughs> what am I bid? What am I bid? Let us know. Send us an email. Um Look, on that uh, cheerful note, um, I would sincerely like to thank all our sponsors, <laughs> Solar Analytics, Sunwoods, and Clergy for their ongoing continued support. Um, I'd like to thank you, Nigel. Um, remind people to listen out for the next episode of our Great Solar Business Podcast next week. Sure to be a, a, another winner. Um, the next episode of um, Energy Insiders and also just keep on reading one step off the grid and Renew Economy and, of course, our EV website, The Driven, and we'll be back again in a fortnight. Solar Insiders was brought to you by Clenergy, the providers of high-quality mounting systems for residential, commercial and utility-scale solar projects. With in-house engineering and projects divisions, Clenergy provides a unique edge with its expert advice. Let Clenergy find the right framework for any solar application. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, Australia's leading service provider for the solar and storage industry. SunWiz's new partnership with OpenSolar will amplify the value delivered by their world-leading solar software platform. With pro setup, training and assistance, run your business at maximum velocity. Visit sunwiz.com.au. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by Solar Analytics, developers of smart solar software you can trust for homes, businesses and solar retailers right here in Australia. Get more from your solar. Visit solaranalytics.com.au.